0: Welcome to Episode 3 on the Prismatic Academy Podcast. I'm Chrissy Marie and I tell the true life stories of some amazing visionaries, healers, conscious co-creators, and entrepreneurs. Today we're chatting with Jacqueline Morasco, a yoga teacher, coach, healer, and the owner of Spirited Practice. Jacqueline is a mind-body alchemist, and expert when it comes to teaching others how to be more in tune with and connected to their bodies. In this interview, Jacqueline shares her story and the struggle with her body, overcoming addiction and apathy for life, and how her awakening led her to have a deeper understanding of awareness that comes with experiencing actually being in your body. We'll talk about how she learned how to use ritual and routine to support the creation and cultivation of a life she loves, as well as some of her very favorite DIY recipes for household and personal care products to live a more natural life. Jacqueline is a luminary and totally knowledgeable when it comes to helping others get in touch with their mind, body, and spiritual goals, and developing those practices that support having a life of presence and total wellness. So I can't wait for you to hear the chat. Without further ado, here it is, Episode 3, Mind-Body Alchemy with Jacqueline Morosco. Well, I'm so happy to be chatting with you, and I'm so thrilled that you agreed to come on to my podcast, because I absolutely love talking to you, one, but two... I mean, mind body alchemy is amazing. So, I can't wait to hear, you know, how you got into it, what that means to you, and how you're p- helping people stay connected with their body. So, maybe to start out, would you mind giving us a little bit of your background and and how you became interested in mind body alchemy?
1: Sure. It's it's kind of a long story, but I will be as concise as possible. <laughs> so, so my name is Jacqueline Morasco and I would say I well I had an addiction issue when I was in my teens
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and it was it was when I stopped using substances that I all of a sudden became fascinated with my body you know so I was 21 when I stopped using and I was really concerned about being healthy but even more than that, I had a hard time sitting still, and mm-hmm. so I thought if I could learn how to meditate, that could help me to sit still. But then, of course, I tried to sit still and, and meditate, and I couldn't <laughs> do that either. So I started to do yoga, and and then eventually I, I realized the brain-body connection in myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and I would say from that time on, I you know, made it my mission to learn as much as I could and to experience as much as I could and then eventually to teach others what I learned.
0: Yeah. It sounds almost as if you were already pretty self-aware, but when it comes to, like, when you were, you know, kind of cleansing your body and detoxing and learning a little bit more about yoga, it it almost became a heightened awareness. Is that... Was that true for you, or was there like one major event that that kind of really blew your mind and you're like, whoa, <laughs> hey body <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well that's it's it's really interesting. So so it's kind of a little of both. Yes, I definitely I I was a dancer when I was young, so mm-hmm. I was very aware of my body. In in one way where you know I knew how to make it perform. And then when I stopped using substances, it was like when I was using, I wasn't, I really didn't care if I lived or died because uh, I just didn't think there was a whole lot to live for. And then when I, it it was really when I was in rehab all of a sudden, and I call it a spiritual awakening, but you know, people can call it whatever they want to. I was in the rehab, I was angry that I was there, and then all of a sudden, and I don't know why, but I had this desire to live. And and it was then, once I had this desire to live, then I started to look at what I was putting in my body and, and how I was taking care of myself, and then eventually, of course, how I treated others, but that didn't come for a while.
0: Right, well, I mean, I, and I, I feel like that's usually always the first step, too, is, like, when we heighten our own self-awareness and, and we have to, like, really focus on that before we can graduate into other levels and, and start spreading out that awareness. Yes, I agree. So, Mind, Body, Alchemist. That is such a cool title to go by. What what does that mean to you?
1: So, well, and it, 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 it's taken... It, long time to evolve to that you know I've been a teacher and and there are words in Sanskrit you know for teacher not guru but other ones and it was kind of like I was trying to figure out what exactly I do and and it was part of the whole branding marketing thing in my business and um and I realized you know and and it was it was in an energy session and then you know kind of through my meditation practices that it came to me it was like what do i do for people you know yes i help them with their body and with yoga and with you know eating and 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 you know not putting chemicals and not talking about substances but just about you know harsh chemicals in our environment and stuff and and it was like, but it's not just that, you know, if you, you know, you can take care of your body, but if you don't take care of your mind, then it doesn't all work. And mm-hmm. and so then it just like kind of popped into my head. And of course, one of my favorite books of all time, I don't know if you've read it, but is The Alchemist. Yes. <laughs> and so, so it, it, and it was really about transforming your body and mind through a connection uh, to spirit, you know? Yeah. So, so I don't know if that was
0: clear enough for you, but... No, it was, I mean, it's almost... Because I struggled with a similar thing, and I think I shared this with you in a previous conversation, too, how, um, you know, I kind of felt like I was struggling with what I do also because I feel like a lot of healers and creators and visionaries are, are, not, are never just one thing. You know, they're very holistic. And so I thought... In my own story, how I would always label myself, oh, I'm a creative entrepreneur or, you know, in brand and business development. And I had a similar experience where I'm like, yeah, well, what do I do for people? And what do I like to do and what do I do well? And that always came back to storytelling. And so for you, I definitely felt like like you can't be put inside a box, you know, because what you do is very holistic. You do walk people through how to heal and take care of their mind and their body. And the two go hand in hand. I
1: agree completely. The thing though that I realize is for those of us creatives mm-hmm. and and who are multi-passionate, you know, we have lots of different things that we yeah. love to do and that we're good at. We do have to find the right words to, to reach the people that we're going to work with. Because, if we don't, like I will sometimes go by how I feel, but not everybody operates on that level. and so so we have to have words or something to invite people
0: in mm-hmm.
1: to our services.
0: Well, so when I speak with a lot of creatives, I, I work with them a lot on when they get to the stage of the burnout you know it's just when they were just pushing and pushing so hard to create something whether it's a business or or a passion project and they get to this point where they just kind of don't follow through and usually it's because they stop taking care of their body they didn't leave any space or any energy and so i'm i was just wondering if you actually were seeing that same kind of trend among the people that you work with yeah
1: so i would say that I work with two kinds of people one is like the really successful business person they can be an entrepreneur or work with somebody else but what happens is they do so many things and and you're right like the first thing to go is taking care of the body you know they're on the run so they're you know either not eating or they're eating Mm -hmm. too much they're shoving food in their mouth while they're driving and Mm -hmm. you know and they're really not taking care of themselves, and then the other kind of person that I work with are new entrepreneurs who are exploring what's available out there, and I think that's a really hard place to be. Not only do you have all these things that, well, for myself and people I work with that we're passionate about, but then it's like, how do I get myself out there? You know, there are so many ways and and webinars and different software and apps and things that you can do that people really get hung up in all of that stuff.
0: Right. Or maybe just even so excited, too. When that creative energy hits you, I know exactly what it's like. I I think I forget to sleep for maybe two days. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, and, and it sounds like there's also a lot of options and resources, too, for people to, you know, learn how to be connected with their body, but it seems also to be different for, for everyone. So, in a world with so much information, what do you do for people to help kind of filter through it? So, I, I, I think the most important thing
1: that people can do is to slow down and really pay attention to what they're doing, you know? So, so it sounds so simple and basic, but Mm -hmm. really just kind of stop, you know, and say, okay, so what's going on? You know, I haven't slept in two days, (laughs) you know, my body is puffy. Um, I need to take a shower, you you know, like like really assess Mm -hmm. where you're at and then move on from there, you know? So, so really basic things basic 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 to begin with and then once they stop and kind of do those basic things then we can look at how we can work it into their life mm-hmm. um and i like to call it like rituals routines and practices although i found that people struggle with some of those words but really creating a systematic pattern to do things in their life so that the basic things get done you right. know how do you get to bed early you know how do you work a little bit of exercise into your life can you figure out a way to eat healthy foods when when there's no time to go grocery shopping or you don't know how to cook or whatever it is Mm -hmm. Um, so so stopping and then coming up with a plan to live and it doesn't have to be like like the ultimate and all (laughs) natural living but just to fit those things in that are really important so that so that you can be that amazing creative person that you
0: are right and i loved what you said in that last part too is like really figuring out what is important to them like they don't have to go crazy with holistic or natural living but when they're noticing some things or maybe they've been dismissing something that as normal for way too long. Like I know that a lot of people dismiss back pain as normal or or chronic fatigue as normal. I I definitely agree with you that it's so important to pay attention to those symptoms and and that feedback that your body is giving you. And you know if it's important enough for you to change it to really build up a system that supports that.
1: Right. I mean, it's really sad that so many of us wait until it's some sort of crisis you know right. like where, where you have a, a life-threatening disease or you get into a car accident because you haven't slept or whatever your your partner walks out on you because they just can't take you not taking care of yourself or, <laughs> right. or not being available because you're so focused on whatever yeah. it is that you're
0: doing yeah so this really does pretty much affect every area of a person's life but that's just not something that that we're really taught to be aware of. So about the rituals and routines, I know that that's something that I love talking to you about. Did you how, what, how did you um, kind of get interested in rituals and routines? And do you remember what your first kind of routine was—the one that you said, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm going to commit to it? And what helped you commit to it?
1: Wow, that's <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't really say which was the very first one that I ever did. I know that when I was younger, and I didn't even know that this was a ritual at the time, Mm -hmm. but I grew up in a a small town, and my my stepfather was a a stonemason, and we had this big, huge, beautiful fireplace in our house. Mm -hmm. And every day, you know, we heat our home, And so, um, so we always had a fire going and it went through the whole house, not the fire, but the heat (laughs) (laughs) and I would gaze at the fire Mm -hmm. and it was, it was mesmerizing and, and it made me feel really good. And it was something I did every day. And I didn't realize until much later that it was a type of meditation. Candle gazing or fire gazing has been around for a long, long time. But I had been doing that and it was soothing to me. And so I would say that's probably the first ritual uh, that I remember doing. Mm-hmm but as I said, I didn't really, I didn't know it was a ritual. Um, I didn't know that it was good for me. It just felt really good to do at the time. Um, but later on, now that I meditate every day, you know, it's like I can recall that. And and it's funny because it's only recently that I started calling what I teach and do rituals, routines, and practices. I've I've taught yoga for a long time and you know, write up practices for people to do. So I've used that word practices for a long time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But then I realized like it's more than just a practice. We need those things that are sacred to us and sacred. We all kind of have different things in our life that are sacred and important to us. And so, so what I love to do is give people lots of options and then support them in making it their own. Mm-hmm. Because like my what I do when I wake up in the morning going through my morning routine and ritual, like it, it might not appeal to you at all.
0: Right. And yeah. ha- and going back to how you mentioned that it's different for everybody. So yeah, I think it's really important to also to let people practice, you know, checking in with themselves and how they feel about something and if something is, is feels right for them. I agree, like, and, and if it doesn't,
1: I mean, you might do something that I suggest that you do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, for a little while, but if it doesn't serve any purpose, you don't get any benefit out of it, it's, it, you're probably not going to continue to do it.
0: Right.
1: You know, there needs to be some sort of payoff for us, you know, not right. necessarily financial, but sometimes it is
0: financial. Mm-hmm. Or just like a deeper why that, that can kind of carry you through it and, and help you stay committed. So what is, I wanted to go back to the fire gazing because I love that because I think it was a really great example of you performing a routine, but, you know, maybe not having an intention around it or being conscious of what, what you were actually doing. You know, maybe it was like centering or grounding for you. So what, have you noticed any differences between when you do rituals with intention versus without intention?
1: Well, I would say when there's no intention that it's not a ritual, then it, then it might be more of like doing something as a routine, you know, so, so an example might be brushing your teeth. Most of us get up and we brush our teeth in the morning. And, And I would say that the majority of us probably aren't so aware when we're brushing our teeth. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know you just kind
1: of brush your teeth and get
0: it done and and but right, you can mindless. turn
1: that into a ritual by being really aware of how you brush your teeth and that you that you're clean cleansing cleaning your your teeth and your mouth and and preparing yourself for the day while you're brushing your teeth like being really mindful and it doesn't have to take any any more time than if you were just brushing your teeth mindlessly. Mm-hmm. There are other things, you know, like so many of us drive mindlessly, you know, we get on the road and you get down the highway and you're like, wow, how did I get to this exit?
0: Right. <laughs> um, how did I and miss, miss it when I do this every day? <laughs> right, exactly. It's those things
1: that we do every day that that tend to be routines that, that we don't think about and and so i think we can take many of those everyday routines and turn them into ritual by making them more important to us and by being really aware and mindful of what we're doing mm. so so i would say when we are being more mindful it may take more time because then we might be more detailed in how mm. we do that thing whatever it is but i definitely think that the intention
0: is a big part of it (laughs) and I almost thought you know it would take um less time because we're being more efficient like for gosh I remember when I do something mindless or like when I'm in the shower and accidentally put face wash in in my hair (laughs) and I have to you know I end up doing that process all over again I'm like well you know if I just paid attention a little bit more I probably would have saved a little bit more time I mean not that it was crazy significant but it had me wondering what else I'm doing in my life mindlessly that is just sucking me away from efficiency (laughs)
1: absolutely you know and I think of doing things on the internet or Mm -hmm. driving past the exit that you're supposed to get off because Mm -hmm. you weren't paying attention or you know I think I can think of lots of things that happen because we're not paying attention where it costs us more time so I think you're right you know like it can go either way depending on what it is that we're doing Mm -hmm. but I do think one of the things that has happened for me over time the more I pay attention to what I'm doing I pay attention to other things so so like by taking care of myself like I'm more more in tune to what's happening with my family and my kids and I'm more present when I'm in conversation with people yeah so so it kind of like carries over into other things
0: right and it's almost as if well because you you're creating space right so yes so energy can flow into other things Well, uh, along that line, what are, so I think like being mindless is one thing, but what about all of the distractions, the things that our our energy tends to go to to take us away from our family and to take us away from our relationships? Um, What do you do to remove distractions? How do you deal that's, with them? That's
1: a, that's, a, that's a great question, and I'm glad that you came back around to it because it came up early in our com- earlier in our conversation. So um, for me, I need to close my computer. In fact, that was pointed out to me by one of my teenagers. Um, so so I that's can't. ironic. I, I know, I know, which is so funny. I yeah. So I might have to. Turn my phone off or close my computer. Not turn on the TV. I'm not a big TV watcher, but if it gets turned on, I'll find myself being pointed in that direction. Mm-hmm. Some people are able to have their electronics there and not pay attention to them. That doesn't work for me. I really have to take the distractions out of my environment, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can, I, I mean, and I'm talking about electronics right now, right. but it could even be, like, if I'm meditating, a distraction could be a piece of dust on the floor that catches oh my, my eye, you know. So, but but really, it's, it's those, like, emails that come in that I don't really need to look at. So, what I've had to do is just only check my email a couple of times a day instead mm-hmm. of like constantly keeping my email open so that I can see every time something comes in and turning off notifications.
0: Right. You know? Oh so you're almost as if it's almost as if you're setting specific times where you can like engage in in the electronics or so even with the with the speck of dust while you're meditating, so I'm very much the same way and I know that if I don't pick it up and throw it away, it's just going to bother me for the rest of my my meditation. So, (laughs) like, where do you... When do you kind of tell yourself no or, you know, try to remain disciplined? And when do you, like, just remove the distraction? Or are they kind of the same thing? Right. Well,
1: um, so with the electronics, for me, I really have to just turn them off, close them, because I don't know why. Like, I they pull me in really easily. If I'm meditating and some someone comes to the door or, you know, I see something that is out of order, I'm really okay with kind of laughing to myself and turning that off mm-hmm. and going back into my meditation. And and even if I've, like, forgotten to turn off my phone,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: like turn the sound off and, and I'm in my meditation, I don't get out for that and it def- definitely if I'm in a session with a person I my phone is turned off so that you know I can't be bothered you know so so I would say that for some things I just have to turn them off but but things that are related to my environment I'm pretty good at letting those go.
0: For me I think it would be really difficult to just to completely remove a distraction because I like to be a little bit fluid about things. So how would you how would you deal with that and judge? Because for me, I judge myself. I'm like, oh you know, I should really be disciplined and and stick with my meditation and really remove this distraction. Did you face that and and what did you? Was it difficult for you at at the beginning to do that? And what did you do about it? <laughs>
1: Yes, it was very difficult, and, and I've been through many different phases in my meditation practice because it's been over such a long period of time, and I've tried lots of different things. For new people, what I suggest is, one, starting off with a small amount of time, Mm-hmm. So so not expecting yourself to be able to be focused for 45 minutes you know i say you know start with 3 to 5 minutes when you're first starting out and and you start to develop or cultivate like a meditative mind and and then build on that time if it's necessary and so mm-hmm. it's much easier to stay focused for 5 minutes than it is for 45 you know what is that? but you're, mind will definitely play tricks on you. So even for three minutes, you can, you can get yourself distracted. And and what I suggest is that, you know, when something pops into your head, you opened your eyes, you see that, you know, crumpled paper, paper on the floor, you say, okay, crumpled paper, it's there, I'll get you when I'm done. And then you close your eyes again and go back into your meditation. Obviously, if it's something life threatening, you deal
0: with it. You know, <laughs> sure, like that life or death email that comes through. <laughs> I was thinking as you're talking about how, when taking these baby steps, almost towards towards your goal, like if if your goal is meditation, is almost like working any kind of muscle. Your mind is a muscle, right? So, if you're the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Absolutely,
1: and and I talk about every every skill that any of us have developed walking talking mm-hmm. driving a car if you're if you have a specific skill set we don't yeah i mean there are those you know prodigies or whatever but for the <laughs> most of us we have to begin and and then we develop our skill over time and and definitely meditation is like that
0: right i worked with you on your natural natural living books where you help people remove toxins from their lives and give them recipes and ways that they can live more naturally or make these make these health or beauty care personal care and household cleaning products themselves so when i first started out detoxing my life and my environment, it was really difficult for me because I went cold turkey. So what are some things that that you can recommend for people who are wanting to be a little bit more aware about what they're bringing into their environment and what they're putting on their bodies?
1: You know, I think it's really hard to go cold turkey and just Mm -hmm. change everything like switching over all your food and you know so that it's all organic and getting rid of everything that's not and and throwing out all the dangerous um, chemicals that you use on your body and for cleaning and so I say what's the part that you want to change the most you know and and maybe it's what's going to give you the best bang for your buck for some of us I definitely started in the food department Mm -hmm changing over things. But I didn't change everything all at once. It was kind of like, yeah, I started with trying to eat local vegetables and fruits mm-hmm. and 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 then trying to buy organic fruits and vegetables. And then I realized that in our community, the local farmers aren't labeled organic, but their food is organic. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so, but, but it was this process. And, and then i switched over a lot of my creams and beauty products and it didn't even occur to me about cleaning chemicals and then all of a sudden one day i was cleaning and like it was a horrible smell and i thought what am i doing and and so it was a process you know and and i don't know what it would be like to do it all at once because all of the stuff that we've been working on together you and i mm-hmm. i've i've been gathering and trying and experimenting Mm. for years and years and so I so my suggestion would be Find, find the easiest changes that you can make first so is it food, is it your beauty products, I mean some, some people I know like all their cleaning products are natural and their food is great but they can't give up certain chemicals that they put on their face you know, because right. they don't want wrinkles <laughs> um, or, or they have to run outside because, and be in the sun and, and you because know, sun can be good or it cannot be good and, and they're running in like our polluted air or, so you just kind of have to choose your thing and stick with it
0: right? and it then like and that. then
1: after you have integrated that into your life then, then see if there's something else you want to change
0: mm, I love that and yeah and it's also I think living naturally should also be a natural process and I learned that the hard way because when I was first learning about the toxins in our environment and what's in our food and, and what's in our beauty products I did go cold turkey I threw everything out and I got really <laughs> sick like, because it, it, I think I just, not just detox so heavily, but I wasn't, I could, I didn't really understand it at the time, but I noticed that it was too many changes too fast where I was getting really sick. And then also when I was detoxing so quickly, it was making me even more sensitive to toxins that I missed. So do you have any favorite household products that you like to do yourself or that you can maybe suggest people to consider switching out for for something better? There are some things
1: that are so easy to change over and especially those of us who have other people who live in our home with us. Mm -hmm. So specifically with cleaning products, I have found, and I know some people don't like the smell of it, but I have found vinegar and baking soda and not mixing them together because when you do, you end up with water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but using baking soda and salt is a great abrasive for cleaning things like sinks and stuff like that and then vinegar for things like floors and mirrors and the thing you don't want to use vinegar on is your granite if you have stone mm-hmm. floors or countertops mm-hmm. but what I do with my vinegar and this is like my favorite all-time tip is I take the lavender and I actually just harvested all my lavender and Many of my friends cut theirs and give it to me as well. And I take a big glass jar and Mm -hmm. I put the lavender in their stems and everything because it all has this wonderful oil. And then I put vinegar over the top and close it up. And I like to put a piece of plastic in between the lid and the glass Mm -hmm. because that way the vinegar doesn't corrode the lid. Mm -hmm. And let it sit for a couple of months and then use that as my vinegar so the vinegar the lavender overpowers the smell of the vinegar and you know yeah if you stick your face in the jar you're going to smell <laughs> the vinegar right. but but it really transforms it and and so i've been doing this for a long time so now i have i have it and it stays for quite some time so you don't have to worry about it going bad right. and then i dilute it with water and it's really wonderful for glass and and all sorts of things and even as a room freshener and what I love is then I put it in the containers and so like the spray bottles and stuff and my Uh kids will grab it under the counter and like clean their car windows and stuff like that and not even realize that it's
0: not like the chemical stuff (laughs) wow so they don't even know the difference so everybody's happy. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. That's awesome. That's a really great tip. I, I definitely want to try that. So how long do you let it sit for? You said for a couple of months. Do you, do you kind oh. of have a timeline or do you like slowly take from it and refill it? So I have,
1: because I've been doing it for a while, I have some. So mm-hmm. if, if you're like just starting though, you might pour some out after a couple months, and and you can take it out sooner, but it really starts to infuse, the lavender infuses into the vinegar after a couple months. Some people say like even four weeks, but I say minimally two months, and you take some out, and you can keep using that same lavender over and over, Mm -hmm. so you can take it out after two months, add some vinegar, and I don't take it all out, I take like half of it out and then add vinegar and let it sit for, you know, until I use up the other stuff, and Yeah.
0: I love that. I'm totally going to try that. So how often do you make time for making your own household and beauty products? I have
1: talked to a lot of people about this. So for myself, it really doesn't take that much time. Mm-hmm. One, because I love to do it, and one of my kids likes to do it with me, and mm-hmm. so we make it kind of like this fun thing. But I would say, seriously, less than an hour a month
0: Wow. To- I yeah, wouldn't so even have guessed that. <laughs> so it's really yeah. to me that's not that long. Oh, totally, that's so easy. So is it, but does it take some time to prepare it or organize it or you know know what you're going to buy? Is there is it really just an, an hour start to finish?
1: I would say, I mean, so a lot of the things that I like to work with, I have in my home and most people have in their homes, like depending on the kind of home that you have. And so, yeah, if I know like I'm running low on certain things like vinegar, baking soda, you know, I might grab it when I go to the store. I like to look at what I'm missing and keep an ongoing list so I get everything that I need when I go. And I would say the things that like certain, like we didn't, we're we're talking about cleaning products, but Mm -hmm. those, those I can whip up really fast and, and they're from things that I have in the house pretty much all the time. The beauty products I have to sometimes think about in advance so that I have that stuff if I'm making like a healing salve or, Mm -hmm. you know, but But for the most part, most everything I make, I just have the stuff, you know, but for someone who's not done it, you'd have to kind of go through the recipes that you're going to make. And one of the things I love about the booklet that I made is I've tried everything in there. And so I know they all work. Mm -hmm. But when I was first experimenting, I had no idea what really worked and what didn't. And so it was a little bit more time consuming at the beginning because I just had no idea. I
0: see. Well, I'm so glad you said that because I I know for me personally, I had this huge misconception that I was almost imagining myself, you know, almost like meal prepping and how much time that takes because it definitely doesn't take me an hour. I think it takes me almost three start to finish just to like plan everything and to buy everything, to prep or to make everything and to like package it. So it's awesome to hear that, you know, one, most people have these items in their household readily available, and two, that they're very easy to make. And also, three, yeah. you can have a lot of fun with it and almost have a DIY party. Exactly. And,
1: and you know, some people just say it's just so much easier to buy the pre-made stuff. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm like, you do what you need to do. Like, if that's easier... I can see where that where that can happen. Like I definitely buy pre-made Castile soap, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I you know, and, and that works into a lot of my recipes that make it so much easier. But. It really, like for do-it-yourself cleaning products, you really don't have to spend a lot of time. And yes, you know, I agree that cooking food, especially if you're doing lots of vegetables and there's, you know, not only buying, but then cleaning and chopping, and mm-hmm. it can be time-consuming, but I think it's definitely worth it.
0: I totally agree. So when you compare the, the cleaners that you make yourself to the chemical cleaners, are they as effective?
1: So this is, I've had this conversation with a number of people. <laughs> so I bake often,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not so much in the summer, but in the winter. And so my, my oven gets used, you know, and it, it's self-cleaning if I want to do that. But I actually like to get in there myself, and mm-hmm. I use baking soda and sometimes a little salt for a little bit more abrasion and water. And it cleans my oven beautifully and oh, people are like oh it's so much easier just to spray those chemicals or to turn it on and sure. and the and the thing is that it really doesn't take that much longer you put some water you put some baking soda you let it sit and and yeah i have to scrub a little bit of course i like that you know <laughs> working my muscles in my arms you know? but you know if you like like i was talking to a woman who has a cleaning service and she's like i just don't have the time to do that and you know natural cleaning products take more time and i disagreed with her but she you know like she stood mm-hmm. by her her facts and i stood by mine so okay. yes you have you sometimes have to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. to, to have them work but i'm okay with that i'm trying to think like i i think the one that people are concerned about the most is like cleaning the inside of the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. And so, so the thing is that you might have to, well, and I shouldn't even say that, you just have to do it regularly. Like With I went, I, right, like I went to Asia for three weeks, mm. and so no one cleaned my house while I was gone, you know, oh, and, no. and so when I went to clean the toilets, it, I definitely had to work a little bit harder because it hadn't been done in three weeks, even though nobody had used
0: it. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And And then also, so... You mentioned that you know most people have have these products in their household. do they also will it save you money or do you need to use more of these products to get the same job done how has your experience been with that so
1: So the thing is there there isn't even any kind of price comparison because with my do it yourself products they are so much less expensive oh. You know, like I can't even compare. Like two gallons of vinegar, it, it might be three or four dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, a big bag of baking soda, again, maybe, maybe I can't think of it off the top of my head, but maybe like eight dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And 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 that will last me almost a year.
0: Wow. For, and how many bedrooms is your house?
1: Um, four bedrooms, four
0: baths. That's amazing. And it's you and three boys, right? Your husband yep. and your teen. <laughs> that's amazing. Like eight bucks to clean your house for a year. Well, I mean. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, at I the mean, basic you know, level. Basic, yeah. Awesome. Really basic level. So fun. That's so exciting. I'm, so I love seeing seeing your recipes in your little booklets, and I can't wait to try them. I actually wanted to try them before I talked to you, but I couldn't get around to it just yet. <laughs> But I, I am totally excited to start trying that. I think just because living in a city, too, you're already exposed to so many pollutants. You know, there there are these little things that we can do to kind of make our environments just a little bit more friendlier to ourselves. <laughs>
1: I agree. And, and you know, and I think, you know, going back to the whole rituals and routines and practices, like, to me, it's like a lifestyle now, mm-hmm. like all these different things, and it's it's not a chore, and it's not like this whole thing about being disciplined. It's it's the way I live, and and it's I think it's kind of
0: fun. Yeah, you know, and you're and, a great example too, and also because you're a teacher, like outside of you know this natural living, you're also a teacher. So I think it's wonderful that that not only you know do you learn about this and you live by it, but you, you teach it to others in a way that they can understand, which is so great. Thank you. Yeah. So on, on that note also, you are teaching a course, Luminous Alchemy. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Well, I was trying to figure out how I could offer what I do to people mm-hmm. in a way to make it So, that they could go through these transitions to change their lifestyle more easily. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about mind body alchemy, you know, and and that's, and I've changed the name of the program to that because I want people to realize like it's about meshing what's going on in their mind and their body and their spirit. So, it's like an alchemy of all of them. And you end up in this place where you feel better about yourself, about life, you're more productive, you can make more money if that's your thing, or you can be more connected to people or all of the above. And, and it's a six month program, and people can pay monthly or all at once. And it's I I kept the cost really low, Mm -hmm. so that people would that wouldn't be a barrier, and it comes with videos and audios and booklets and me um, helping you out, and yeah, so
0: yeah, that's if, awesome. you're interested, if you're interested, you can check it out on my website at... Um, spirited practice.com perfect and i'll be sure to put that in the show notes too so that people can look that up what can people expect like who is this course for and you know what are some of the fun things that that you plan on walking them through
1: so this course is for anyone especially if you're really busy and you want to move into a healthy lifestyle and it's body mind spirit so it's the focus is not just like on eating right although that's a part of it mm-hmm. it's so it's for anyone who's really busy who wants to change how they live and how they feel and Like, some things that we'll do, like, the very beginning is about, like, being in your body and being grounded, and it's about cleansing, so getting rid of stuff so that we can make space for new stuff. And that stuff could be clutter, like, in your house, it could be chemicals, it could be negative thinking.
0: Yeah, it sounds very beneficial. And I think that a lot of people don't even realize that they could really, a, a program like this could really change their lives in very immediate and impactful ways. So I'm so excited for you to be offering that and just, you know, expanding the collective consciousness and, and awareness of, um, across the population. I took a sneak peek at some of the topics that you're offering in your course, and some of them are are really cool because I, you mentioned earlier that you do bring in the spirit into this. So are there any fun things that people can look forward to around that? Like maybe with moon rituals or with crystals? All of the above. Yeah, yes. setting sacred <laughs> space.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. All of those things that you're mentioning mentioning. You know, right. we're gonna go over some things that people might find a little bit odd or or some people might find them really exciting, like learning how to smudge your house or mm-hmm. learning how to use crystals to change your energy or learning what energy is, like and, and and the power of the moon and the different phases of the moon and how that can help influence your life. And yeah, natural products and all sorts of fun and exciting
0: I, things. I love that so much. And you actually reminded me of, of a question, a burning question that I've been having and been meaning to ask you, I think, for maybe the past two months. But you've also been in Thailand, right? So, And you mentioned something about the importance of lighting a candle. Uh, can you explain a little bit about that? Just from my Yeah, from my own curiosity. I think you mentioned um, why, why we light candles. So <laughs> that's so funny. Not that your question's
1: funny, uh, but that you've been hanging on to it for some time. So I I use candles in lots of different ways, but it's such an ancient thing, fire. And so for me, and so this is one of those things, Chrissy, where for me it's really important to light a candle, and it kind of brings light, and I I connect light to spirit. So, when I light a candle, it it automatically sets that sacred space for me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, because that's a connection that I've had throughout my entire life. And so, I have a candle on my altar, and when I get up in the morning after I take care of those personal needs, I light a candle and I sit and I pull a card. And, and it's like, when I light that candle, it's like an immediate connection to spirit for me. Oh. And it's like bringing light into my world, connection to spirit, and and then I can move ahead and do my next thing, whatever it is.
0: It almost seems like that's what's right for you, but but it sounds like you have the ability to teach other people how to make something sacred to them, you know, through their ritual and routine.
1: That's right. Maybe you don't like candles or, you know, fire, or you can't have fire where you live. Like I teach at a college and, and and I'll talk about lighting candles and, and the students are like, I can't light candles in my dorm, you know? So, so for some people, that's not a possibility. And so finding what connects you to spirit, like. To me, if I can help you figure out what it is that creates that connection for you, or keeps that connection, then I feel like then i I've, I've done my job,
0: right? You know? Like, what kind of questions would you ask to you know figure out what how people feel connected to spirit? You want me to give all my deep dark secrets no, here? No, just one. Like, uh, so just maybe one. so maybe you can you know get people who who are wondering you know what their connection is to spirit, or who are wanting. To have a little bit more awareness brought into their life, you know, what is something that that maybe they can ask themselves.
1: Well, I would I would start with a question around when do you feel really connected? Oh, you know, right. think think of those times in your life mm-hmm. when you felt a connection to spirit, whatever spirit means to to you. Like some people have a hard time with the word spirit; it might be God, goddess. Mm-hmm the earth you know when when have you really felt connected to something bigger than yourself greater than yourself
0: hmm. i love that well and then
1: yeah and then just take it from there yeah
0: do you find that it's that there's one thing that really stands out to people in an experience like that or is it um, like, is it a mixture of things
1: when people go digging a little bit deeper, I have found for many people, there is one experience where they can connect and remember. And a lot of times it's a childhood experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and I, I really haven't met anyone yet. Not that there's not someone out there that doesn't pull up some sort of memory. And, and I will help guide people through various processes, because not all of us can even dig up those memories in the same way.
0: Mm, Right. Well, I think one last question, if you don't mind. I was wondering (laughs) if you could just share your most favorite routine of your day.
1: Oh, that's that's interesting, because,
0: like, Mm -hmm. my whole
1: morning practice Um. is... Like it, it's kind of like from the time I wake up, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I've switched around over the years and stuff, but I, and it's a, it's a list of things. And it's so funny when I write it down um, and share it with someone, they're always like, that's a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. and it looks like it would take hours to get through my morning practice. And it doesn't, you know, because one, I love doing it, but I just kind of flow from one thing to the next and depending on which parts I do like if I'm exercising and doing my yoga practice you know it might take a little bit longer but yeah I would say my morning practice because one I've been doing it for so long and it just makes me feel so good
0: yeah I have a I wanted to ask you if you had like a silly you know, that might be considered a silly routine, because I know that I definitely have one um, that I do in the mornings to kind of just put me in the right energy, and it's honestly it's dancing around my apartment. I put on music <laughs> really loud, and I have this pick-me-up playlist, and that's what I do <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, so fun. So I love that, and, and routines are rituals and routines, I think, are just so po- important, because You know, they really do support that mind-body connection, get you into that place of ideal energy where you want to be at. And I think it's really important for people to look at incorporating those into their lives just because, one, you know, not only are they practicing awareness, but, two, they're also becoming or, I guess, being more in control of their reality. Does that make sense to you or would you agree? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I, I agree completely. Lately, you know that people it does help people to feel more in control
0: right and I love what you're doing because it, it helps us to stop being so passive <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for your time Jacqueline I love so much talking to you and thank you Chrissy just, and, and
1: thanks everyone who listens and I wish you the best with your podcast and I have to you. tell you I love the work that you're doing glad that i can be a part
0: of that yeah i'm like I, I draw so much support from you so that gratitude goes back to you i really appreciate you so what do you guys think following this interview i was so excited to try out some of jacqueline's recommended diy household cleaners and beauty products and thus far i'm pretty impressed I loved her face mask recipes, especially the papaya face mask and the Eastern Indian mask. And because I make my own bath fizzies, I had a mini spa day all to myself. Soaking in the bathtub with beautiful natural products that made my skin feel completely nourished and loved was total bliss. Thank you so much to Jacqueline for sharing her story and journey around mind-body alchemy. If you'd like to learn more or connect with her, You can find her on spiritedpractice.com. She's also offering a special discount just for our Prismatic Academy podcast listeners, which is 50% off her Naturally Clean and Natural Beauty eBooks, which you can find on her site. Of course, all of these links, coupon codes, and review of our little chat will be in the show notes on theprismaticlife.com. Next week will be loads of fun as always. I'm sitting down with a phenomenal naturopathic doctor, Dr. Phil Selinsky, who is the author behind The Human Machine. Now, he has built an amazing practice around his deep understanding of human anatomy, physiology, physics, metaphysics, and chemistry, all stemming from his vast experience beginning as a mechanical engineer. Sounds like there's a story here, right? His theories are slightly different from any I've ever heard and personally, I've gone to him a few times to get my body back to right. With each visit, I'm always completely blown away, and I feel like I have a greater understanding of how my body works and what it's trying to tell me. He's helped me so much when it came to my battle with chronic fatigue, and I loved how he was able to read the feedback system between my organs and the meridian lines of energy running through my body. So if you're into learning more about the connections, within the body, and how you can better support it as a whole, this episode will totally be for you. I think that too many of us live with chronic pain and illness, and we tend to dismiss this as normal. But what if we had the ability to change that so that we could feel more energized and youthful and in alignment with health in order to support everything else we want to accomplish? Well, some of the topics we'll be discussing is about blood toxicity and how it will trump intelligent behavior every time, as well as his take on how pain is a result of the violation of the laws of physics, as well as how these understandings of these laws that drive our human machine can provide new and different choices for behavior. I think I can fill up an entire season just with speaking with him. I'm so excited to pick apart his brain and learn a little bit more about how we can optimize our health in order to optimize our creative and conscious output. So until next week, cheers everyone.